Geelong Cats result in round six, 136 to West Coast 39, a 97-point demolition. What a good way to return for Kidney Clatter in 2021. We've been seeing this up for a while now. All with me. We don't have the, the full band together, Zach and Co., but we thought we'll get this one out. We've not won by nearly 100 points. This is a good game to review to restart Kidney Clatter. Oh, look, it's absolutely essential and necessary that we review this game given the nature of the victory and given the uh, recent uh, debutante and also not forgetting the, the milestone players on the weekend as well. We'll review that game and we'll also give some insight or some more or less our, our educated opinions on, um, on the season thus far and the games thus far. So we'll get into it. The game itself, we look at the stats here and it's just a complete annihilation in the Cats' favour. Disposals, 397 to 261. More kicks, handballs. A lot more inside 50s, 55 to 38. Much higher disposal efficiency. Much higher efficiency inside 50s. The hit-out department, probably the only key stat area, if it is a key stat anymore these days, who knows? It's a debatable talking point in West Coast's favour. But at the same time, Nick Nanui was nullified around the ground. Don't think he took a mark all game. Stanley got a free goal purely because he lost Nick Nat, who was still in the centre of the ground. Clearances, Cats favours, centre clearances, stoppage clearances. Contested possessions, uncontested, you name it, all in Geelong's favour. It didn't look it at quarter time. And I think after the North Melbourne game in around 5-0, there were some nervy supporters at Cadenia Park. West Coast holding a five-point lead at Cadenia time. Some murmurs going around the ground. Not quite a pleasant place to be at that moment. Mm. Mm, but then what a difference, you know, 25 to 30 minutes can make. Um, if you were to assess the crowd noise and the general feeling in the ground at quarter time compared to half time, I'm sure it would have been a complete dichotomy, effectively, completely different. So um, especially when you've got... Uh, Mitch Duncan just uh, leaning back from 60 metres and uh, putting it through post height <laughs> on the half-time siren um, with a torpedo from the boundary line. Uh, possibly the best goal for the year thus far for us. And no wonder it was nominated for a goal of the week or goal of the year, possibly. And let's see if it uh, can get some votes. A great way to, to finish off that half. 10 goals second term to the Cats. 10 goals one to one behind for West Coast. Fantastic. And the fans really showed that they appreciated that quarter's display as well. Even before Mitch Duncan's goal was announced that it was a goal, it went for a score review, but the, the Cats were walking off it at that point, getting ready to walk off. And the crowd was clapping the loudest that you've heard all season through all three games that have been at Kenny Park. 
the games that have been in Melbourne as well, that recognition of that quarter is John Cat's footy. And what we haven't seen this season, what we know those players are capable of, high, high caliber players, many all Australians on that one team right there. And they switched on that quarter against before the game, what was seen to be a, a tight opponent, West Coast, mm. in a game that could have gone either way, which is yeah. almost hilarious yeah. to think of that mm. after the fact, after a 97-point win. Um, but that second quarter was just absolutely beautiful football to watch. One thing I really loved about not only the second quarter but the game as a whole in, in our forward line was having the debutante, <laughs> we'll talk a bit more about that, but having Jeremy Cameron there allows, I think, what when we used to see Savarada Galea play, the freedom that Gary Rowan gets around the ball, being the third tall up, um, mm. not possessing so much accountability that the defenders give him, has a bit more space, a bit more freedom to leap as opposed yep. to Hawkins or Cameron who are a pretty closely man. Having said that, they still got three goals and, or two goals and three goals respectively. So, but it, it was really good to see Gary Rowan in full flight and having a mm. fantastic game kicking three goals. Not to isolate one player alone there. All the, the whole team played a, a fantastic brand from the start of the the second quarter onwards. Well, yeah, ab- absolute domination after after quarter time. Really, um, totally unexpected to be to be honest. Like you were saying uh, before the game, West Coast were sixth on the ladder and Geelong were eighth. Not that it means much at this early stage of the year, but um, you know, West Coast were above us on the ladder and gave no indication that they were going to play that bad in in this game. So um totally, you know, one out of the one out of the blue, out of the box. I mean we could we could talk we could talk at, at length about virtually every player on the ground for Geelong doing something or having some impact or having some highlight throughout the game. I mean, even Jack Henry sneaking forward and kicking check sides and you're thinking, what's, go- what's going on? And I'm just like, when you're sitting there watching the game, you're never going to see that from Jack Henry. <laughs> and that just shows you, I guess, the lack of, of pressure that was, that was on him. But the, the freedom that they, were, that they were playing with at that point when they had all the momentum going with them. And... Um, the commentators, or I think it was even uh, uh, Kane Corns, of all people, uh, said after the game that Cadenia Park or GMHPA is a scary place to play when Geelong gets its momentum going, and there's a bit of a, it's a bit of a wave of of momentum that is difficult to stop, and you, you know the home crowd gets behind the boys. There's a loud contingency of of of. Um, Obviously, home home crowd support, and it's very intimidating for the opposition. They got their small little pocket in one area of the ground, and if they're not doing anything, they're not even making a peep all game. And yeah. it's 
you know, it's like 99% Cats fans in the crowd. The umpires know it too. If we don't get a call that goes out, you know, that goes our way, that we well, feel... Fair play to, the, to Cats fans. I think we have to say the umpires <laughs> were in our favour this game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the umpires really had any impact on, on the game at all. Um, one other thing to, to, to point out, I mean, the booing or lack of booing in regards to Tim Kelly okay. was yeah. was uh, was probably pretty encouraging given that um, yeah. you know, we wouldn't have ended up with Jeremy Cameron had that deal for uh, TK not gone through. Yeah. All, that's put to, all that's put to bed now um, and we, we can move on from the TK saga. But like you said, in terms of the crowd there, I think until this game, this season, we've had, including this West Coast game, there's three games that have been at Kidney Park now at home. It's also been a few games in Melbourne, one of those a home game in inverted commas against Hawthorne. Still got the dub though. And I think that the fans have been relatively subdued though through mm. most of the games, which wasn't what I was expecting before the season when fans were allowed into the game. Um, fan grievances, uh, having to change their seat every single week if they've got a reserved seat or so, um, the amount of cap capacity. Um, mm. So certain things there that some fans may not, maybe a bit frustrated with, but I think just football returning to Victoria and Geelong and fans actually being led in stadiums and being able to see the Cats play live in action in almost two years, yeah, over a year and a half mm. period now, I thought there would be, and at the Brisbane game, definitely to start, but even the North Melbourne game as well, um, we'll talk about the game itself, but in terms of the atmosphere, just more vocal, more sense of urgency from the fran- from the fans and I think that's been severely lacking until the end of that second quarter, during that second quarter against West Coast. And I guess the reason being because there wasn't too much to get excited about until that second quarter against West Coast. We know the quality of players that Geelong has. It's not a team that should be trying to make top eight. This is a team that should be making or trying to make the top four. Um, And I think that's expected by supporters now, especially after just having made a grand final. Scrap that. Just after nearly just winning a grand final, being up by 21 points at halftime, it's a a conversation or for a a different time or maybe throw that out of your mind or just don't listen to that part. But I think there is a, a fair reasonable position from Cats fans to expect quality from their team when their team is of such high calibre and is not in a stage where Essendon are at, where Collingwood are at, uh, where Carlton are at, where North Melbourne are at. Um, This is a team that should be vying to be the top, especially after the draft picks we've been, we've given up for Jeremy Cameron, the debutante. Oh, what were your thoughts of of Jez, his first game? We saw him a little bit pre-season, 
albeit the one game in against Destin in the preseason. But um, first game at GMA. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, to to just make a point on on your on your point just earlier, um, it's yeah, it's it's self evident that we're all in this year, or we're all in for the next few years, given the recruiting that we've given, or given the recruiting that we've gone and done. Um, but in regards to to yeah, Jeremy Cameron, amazing, amazing, amazing first two goals in the hoops. So so clean, so smooth with his finishing, and so quick to snap over the shoulder. And the second one, the second one, once he once you know, I think he's going to enjoy. The momentum when he gets those when he you know when he gets the momentum he's going to enjoy everyone riding the wave with him if that makes sense because you see him running around the boundary line absolutely you know absolutely just losing his mind with with excitement and and he was saying post game he had chills and that he's never had that before um, and he's played he's played in big games in finals and in grand finals but um, or in a grand final but. Uh, Home games at GWS, it's just, you know, a man in his doll. <laughs> you know, at GMHBA, it's a different atmosphere, right? We are a football, we are a football town. At, at halftime, the supporters showed that, just how loud they were cheering off the players, applauding the effort, applauding what the players had put in the second quarter. Every fan from every, every stand stood up and... Mm clapped players. It was absolutely phenomenal. Cameron finished with three goals too. We could have had four. One was um, dished out to Menegola. There was some, we could go on to the, the full 22, but there was remarkable performances and as a collective as a whole. Duncan with four goals, 26 disposals. Cam Guthrie has become the glorified best inside mid the Cats have. Um, I think we can say that now seeing as even when Danger's playing, he spends a fair portion of his time in the forward line. Mm. Uh, I think Guthrie is the best inside mid that the Cats have got, winning the Kaji last year. This year, he's continued his, his, his amazing form. 35 disposals, 19 pressure arcs, 16 contested possessions. Tom Atkins, really, really good. Really good in the back line, coming off the back line to the mid. Um Maybe the first few weeks would have been a surprise to supporters, and but the way the cats were playing probably didn't actually help Tom um, being in that back line there and being exposed so much. But that game there, I thought Tom was was absolutely fantastic. Twenty two disposals, twelve pressure acts. Isaac Smith chipped in with twenty three disposals. Who we'll talk about as well, along with Sean Higgins. Cameron being the, the new boys. Tom Stewart, 27 disposals, continuing his good work. Jack Henry, you mentioned there, the check side, thought he was good all over the ground. I thought Lockie Henderson was absolutely fantastic. And this is separate to the two goals he's kicked. His ball use from halfback, switching in transition to the other side of the ground from left to right, picking the right person out, a long 40-meter, 40 to 50-meter kick was fantastic. Couldn't remember mm. one time that there was one that went astray or slightly wrong. I thought now his ball use was absolutely phenomenal, along with how he, he actually broke tackles and 
and um and defended Oscar Allen and yeah. Yeah. Reese, we mentioned he got beaten in the hit outs, but he didn't matter in the end because well Nat Nui didn't have a chance up four, didn't take a mark all game, and Reese outrun him. Um yeah. which led to one of his goals, Reese playing on a, a, a much smaller opponent for a, a contested mark. So Reese is gonna take that every day of the week. So fair play to Reef to, to Reese there. Um Selwood, 29 disposals, 17 pressure acts. Mark O'Connor playing a really good game as well, tagging Tim Kelly. He didn't have too much influence until O'Connor's injury. We'll talk a bit more about an injury a bit later on. Gary Rowan, we've already mentioned, even the, the speed work there throughout the game was great. Menangola on the wing and inside, one goal and 20 disposals, along with 17 pressure acts. Grind Myers, picked a goal as well, 17 disposals. Hawkins, three goals, 14 disposals. Also set up a couple, namely one great one for Mitch Duncan. I think that may have been in the second quarter. Views really did try to force himself inside the midfield and provide a bit of grunt just to even get the ball forwards at times when there was a potential likelihood that that could be lost and gone to the half forward and be a bit exposed there. And then we've already talked about Jez. Blitz was fantastic down back as well, except for his first quarter. Two goals <laughs> given away in that first quarter there, and they were just well, one of them was a kick to Hendo that missed him by a few meters. That was still, just yeah, total still up by West Coast. So we we know we've talked about Blitz's kicking form, but I think we after that game and the result, we can forgive him the first quarter. Luke Dalhouse may be a talking point for Geelong fans this season. He he was at last year at times. Finished with 15 disposals, a shot at goal. Probably the one player out of the consistent 22 that are playing that fans may question his yeah. role sometimes at that yeah. um, half-forward position starting for, um, for the centre bounce. I think that's the one player that, that fans may be questioning. Yes. Uh, yes. Tui played his role there. Parfit also played his role. 26 pressure acts. 26 pressure acts. It's fantastic from Parfit. He really is in and about close. Speaking of close, Brad Close kicked a goal. Soccer off the ground. And 21 pressure acts as well. So that's what you want in um, in your forward line there to provide that. Yeah. Jake Collajasny and Mark O'Connor were the casualties to come out of this game hole, which forced Jordan Clark into the game as the emergency, as he's been the last few games. I think most of the games I can remember him being listed as, as an emergency. He's actually played in all of them, I think, um, through one injury or not. Leaves Collajasny listed as a one to two week injury. Yeah. And Marco O'Connor as well, also on the sidelines as well. Um, O'Connor, an estimated two to three weeks hamstring there. So we'll talk about who may come in to the side for the upcoming game against Sydney. But with players coming back, there may be some cover the cracks a bit there. So, yeah. <laughs> A 97-point win. Well done to all those 20, 23 players involved. Jordan Clark getting on the 
you know, on the, the field as well. So absolutely amazing, absolutely fantastic. But let's get not get too ahead of ourselves. We are fourth and ladder. A brief run through essentially of we're a quarter of the season through now all. Mm. There's new rules brought in at the start of the season, which some were questioning. One being the emergency initially for concussion, now for all injuries, which seems to be used every single game now. The other big one and big talking point was the man of the mark, mm. which has allowed players to yeah. play on or just do a, a slight 15-metre kick just to the right or to the left. How do you think this has actually affected the cat style play and in particular at Kidinia Park? Well, we tend to play slowly anyway. It's probably it well look, it it hasn't helped, particularly in defense, as a lot of people know, and they seem to criticize regularly, we play the slow build-up style, right? And then once we get to the middle of the ground or half forward, then we drop the hammer, as they say. So yeah, to 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 some degree, to some degree it would have because there's yeah, there's no instance of um of the defender being able to move even laterally. I guess it would it, it makes ball movement easier, right? But we still don't move the ball quickly anyway so does it really affect our game style i'm i'm not too sure but in the sense that the style of game play that or the style of game that we play is highly dependent on the kicking efficiency right it doesn't matter what rules are it doesn't matter generally like the scenario of the game if our kicking efficiency is up and we're hitting our targets and we're scoring efficiently in terms of um, conversion, then we're playing well. If our kicking efficiency is down, then we're likely to be playing poorly. It's it's all based on kicking efficiency and hitting of targets. And to a degree, field position, but not so much because we don't play for field position so much. We, we play to control the ball, yeah? We're not... We're not Richmond, we're not playing for um for the position on the on the field, or we're not playing for uh, territory. You know, they play that they they say territory game a lot. We're not playing that style of game. So um, if we're hitting our targets, we're playing well. I don't think the rules really impact things too much. It's all self-inflicted as to whether we play badly. Yeah, I think I, a lot of the time, because like the Blitzarves example, right? The Blitzarves kick in that in that first quarter was a blatant turnover, blatant skill error. If his kicking efficiency were better, he would have hit the target. Sure, it's sl- sure it's slow, and the build up is is slow and everything. And there was a bit of rain around, which which probably meant that he didn't need to do the forty five meter. Um, 45 degree meter kick or, or whatever you know the, these little dinky kicks in the back line aren't required when it's wet right but after the fact he did it he turned it over it resulted in a in a goal to the opposition that's self-inflicted totally totally it's an unforced error 
basically in just like in tennis yeah unforced I, I think i agree with you in in some respects in terms of uh, the the rule changes the start of this year before the season starts and how that's um impacted on our game style in other respects i think that Geelong have actually shown that they have to change their style of play. I think one of those is clearly shown by Tom Atkins playing in the back line now, um, mm. where if a college Asney or a Hendo does spoil it, um, if there's a, a one-on-one or two defenders, two two forwards go up, then to meet the, the, the quick crummers of the opposition, Atkins is there to try to get the ball, to try to get a handball, try to lay a tackle, um, the recruitment of Isaac Smith as well. So uh, there's Isaac Smith and potentially Menangola or uh, Jordan Clark or on the other wing just shows that I think whether it be Kenny Park, whether it be the MCG, that we do need that run and carry, um, that extra speed. Um we can't have blitz halves on the wing anymore in today's modern game style. Just doesn't suit that maybe in um, another era. Uh, but unfortunately, we, we can't now. And I think a, a lot of players that are inside mids that don't have the pace are, are starting to get shown a little bit for the deficiencies yeah. in that. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why that, that the players with intent who, who will put the, the heads down, to, if you like, um, are showing their value here, and um, Cam Guthrie has been fantastic as well all season. Um, that little burst of acceleration, that grunt that he's got as well. But also, I think the forward line as well, similar to what we've had last seasons, but the structure now with two key forwards and the likes of Brad Close or whether it be Francis Evans earlier in the season or later in the season when fit, um, Brian Myers and co setting up there. And and that was really self-evident from the second quarter onwards in the West Coast game. There was a a really, really um, strong push to whenever West Coast tried to exit their defensive 50, that we wouldn't let it out easy which we haven't seen for Geelong all season. And, and to be honest, even last season, we didn't see it too much. So, but as you say, it's so early in the season. All these games have been very different to each other. Um, and it was only the second quarter onwards of the West Coast game that we actually saw some things from, from Geelong that were the quality, actual quality that we could call. And um, so I think in terms of it, a style of game, it's hard to say. It's so hard to say as opposed to West Coast and, and Melbourne where you can see it because their performances have displayed it every single week. Um, mm. Brian Cook himself has actually noted that the Cats haven't been playing well and has been quite public in saying that. So I think it's just a little bit of a wait and see at the moment of where yeah, we're at something. and maybe that'll be more clear after after the next few weeks. Yeah. Speaking of the, yeah. the first quarter of, of the year, 25% of the way through now, which is strange to say after just seeing Jez debut for his first game, started off in Adelaide Oval. A surprising loss? Your, your description or 
one yeah, two uh, sentence summary for this all? Uh, just just two two words, just like blatantly disappointing, I'd say. Just yeah, total a, a bit yeah, genuine shock to be honest. Probably um because I know we can't really base it off of last year, but but given the first game, that's all you've got to go from, yeah. And Adelaide were the effectively the Warden Spooners last year. So and Geelong making the grand final, we yeah, we did not expect what happened. Yeah. Um and I think it's it's pretty obvious given it. I mean, we we actually watched the game together. And um yeah, there's plenty of emotion going on in that game. Um, and not not emotion or not positive emotion, let's just say. Oh yeah. But oh, yeah. but emotion all the same. So um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We weren't it was it wasn't what we wanted to see. It yeah. wasn't what we wanted to see, you know, as the first game for the year. Yeah. Uh, the list before the game. Isaac Smith making his debut, Sean Higgins making his debut, Jeremy Cameron being injured in the, the one training session before the game. But, yeah, we've got two debutants here. And and to be fair to Isaac Smith, he showed, showed good glimpses, glimpses, sorry, if you like. But that I think the media has actually covered this game and summarised it to bits and bits and bits, and rightly yeah. so, when it is Geelong v Adelaide after coming off being in a premiership versus last and ladder where it came down to energy wants yeah um, and speed in Adelaide yeah. albeit they're all youngsters versus a team that was playing in another state uh, another crowd there and didn't have the same level of pressure at all no, um, we blatantly did not turn up for that game yeah so <laughs> that was a good start to the season. Round two, we had our first home game since the COVID era in Brisbane. It was a night game. Came away with a one-point win. Um, lucky, lucky is probably the lucky, lucky, lucky. The, the term there. Not to talk ill of Brisbane. They're a really good side. We'll make the top eight. But at the same time, I think we had opportunities just to – Stretch that match into a four, five goal deficit and to put it away um, and to not let them come back, which seemed to be the, the ongoing themes of the the next week, um, which I'll, I'll throw to you all against Hawthorne. The one thing I think that was frustrating as a fan was just the unpreparedness in the second half the team was, but the actual Cadenia you know, Park itself for the fans to get let into the the ground who are waiting almost a quarter, if not a quarter, just to actually get inside Cadenia Park um, to navigate QR court codes, the gates, this, that. So yeah. for the, the stadium to actually get full to its max caps capacity, it, it did take a while. And I think when fans have been waiting this long to see their team play at the home ground, that was a, a little bit of a, a sour energy to it and maybe did sap out some of the energy in it albeit the fourth quarter then Cats and Brisbane supporters alike were 
were very, very cool. Yeah, we got out of jail because of the uh, the Bailey tackle on Blitzarves in the last minute or so. Yeah. Um, that's a blatant holding the ball call that wasn't made. After the fact, the umpires agreed that they made the wrong call there. It's counterfactual now. You know, Geelong won the game. History will, will recall that Geelong won the game. In the moment, with uh, yeah, in the moment we're thinking we deserve to be uh, zero and two. The next week, Cats played Hawthorne in Melbourne. It was a, as we said, a home game in inverted commas, as we always say, every season. This season, Hawthorne aren't going to be a, a top eight team, but whenever it's a Geelong v Hawthorne game, never predict the margin. You know it's always going to be uneasy to a certain extent. Was this another one similar to Brisbane where we had a convincing lead of sorts and didn't capitalise on that to put the dagger in? That's right. That's right. Um, there's certainly there's certainly the element of being, you know, three to four goals up but then not putting the foot down even more and just putting them away, which we then rectified let's say, in the West Coast game. But in this game in spe- uh, specifically, even though the Hawks aren't necessarily the team they once were, you still cannot let a Hawthorne team anywhere near a Geelong team because there is the age-old rivalry. They, they want to beat Geelong any opportunity they can get and we want to beat Hawthorne any opportunity we can get. So you let them have a sniff of the game, they're going to go for it, right? And they nearly, they nearly pinched it. They nearly pinched it. And we were, we were also quite lucky in that game as well. The one highlight that broke the shackles, everybody knows. We've already all spoken about it at length. The run from Jack Henry and Jordan Clark, effectively the length of the ground, Ooh, from yeah. the middle of the ground, all the way to the goal square. Jack Henry... Jordan Clark, Hawkins, back to Henry, then back to Clark in the goal square, puts it through, and that's the highlight of the year so far, to be honest, prior to the West Coast game, anyway. Absolutely the highlight of the year. Some sort of indication of the speed that Geelong is actually capable of and the athletes that we do have in the team. But they don't often get to use those attributes because on occasion, obviously, our game plan isn't suited to to playing in that manner. But they saw the opening, they saw the opportunity, and they took it. And that's all that you can ask. And that was the that was the match winning moment. Staying in that line of thinking there of, of speed all. And also playing in Melbourne. <laughs> the next game was in Melbourne against Melbourne, who we now know is one of the premiership contenders after six rounds, being 6-0, and along with likes of Western Bulldogs and co. It wasn't a blowout margin. Um, the Cats didn't seem to be in it really at, at any stage of the game. How did you see this game? I think Melbourne kept us at arm's length for the majority of the game. Um, 
the best that Geelong could do was get within a couple of goals uh, by virtue of some some brilliant individual work from um, Isaac Smith, I believe, who's been sensational so far in the the first six rounds, to be honest, on the whole, as a Geelong player. But yeah, oh, some of some of uh, Melbourne's youngsters and some of the players that we know that they have from the 2018 season where they went all the way to the to the prelim, all those players have stepped up and they've got Cozzy Pickett now, who's amazing. He's a bit like, uh, he's the new Jeff Farmer to a degree. Petrarca's playing amazing. Oliver's playing amazing. Salem's in, you know, there's Salem. Yeah, exactly. So Tomlinson with... Um... They got they got quality players on every line, so they deserve to be where they are at the moment. And a lot of Melbourne fans would be getting quite excited. First time since uh, nineteen was it? Uh, what was it? Sixty five, I believe. Let's just call it fifteen forty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scary to think that um Ben Brown is in their reserves, along with uh, a few other players there that would be. Yeah, key position players for probably most of the teams in the competition as well. So if Tom McDonald does go down there, they've got an, an easy player to to slot in, albeit fitness and form there. I think the margin itself of the loss wasn't too bad. And I guess the next week against North Melbourne was a 30-point win, but it was not attractive in any sense at all. Um, it was probably the most deflating win that I've seen live at Kedinia Park in the, well, quite a long time, as, as long as I can remember. The the crowd mm-hmm. itself was silent, <laughs> if not deafening, <laughs> um, and rightly so when you're playing North Melbourne, who are 0-6, and six, yeah. um, have some serious problems there at North Melbourne Football Club, and at times Geelong was letting them into the game um, until later on in the second half when a bit of the foot got put down. But even then, it wasn't quite convincing. I think it was yeah, definitely the most deflating win I, have. I can remember from recent memory at all. And I think that's part of why there's been such a, a subdued crowd to see that. Yeah, it's a 30-point win. You'd take that on face value if you're playing a team to, to go away with a 30-point win, but the matter in which it was done, um, unattractive yeah. football, not the skills weren't executed well at all. It was not fast-flowing. There weren't many moments in the game that stood out as highlights or such or just things to get excited about. Totally uninspired to a degree. And I think following, if we... in just touching, retouching on the Melbourne game, if that's the bar to reach now, um, I think that's maybe being four and two after the first six games. One of the things that we can actually look at and say, and, and again, going back to Brian Cook's statements and and um, acknowledging publicly that Geelong were playing badly and are playing badly, this is prior to the West Coast game, that when we have currently, when we are 4-2 in our record, we have been playing badly 
yet were still in the top four and were beaten by a quality outfit this season in Melbourne by just over four goals. I think it was 25 points. That gives a lot of room for improvement, um, especially yeah. when players come back and when these new players such as Isaac Smith, Jeremy Cameron, some of the, the newer players that are, are getting games. We've seen De Koenig play it. We saw Max Holmes debut against Hawthorne. So we, we've seen a lot of youngsters actually come, which is also counters the point that youngsters don't get a shot. <laughs> um, mm. Or our age is, is growing. Isaac Smith, as you've said earlier, Roll has has provided some great sparks for us this season. Sean Higgins probably yet to. Then again, with being injured and not having a handful of games, um, and the team not being completely set uh, without Cameron and without some key position players during the games that he has played, and and the team not playing good football during the games that he has played. I think it's a bit early and a bit harsh to judge him on um, on anything, really. Mark yeah. O'Connor, I think, Ola, has been absolutely fantastic. His midfield role that he's turned into there, um, being the tagger of Geelong, has been nothing of outstanding. I think it was yeah. two seasons ago in, in 2019, we called him the Geelong's most improved player. Yes. If he wasn't last year, and he's he just keeps going to new leaps and bounds and leadership group again, I think. Yeah, yeah, and keeping Lockie Neal to, to low disposals, not much influence on the game. He did the same last week until he was injured on Tim Kelly. He's done it on a lot of players this season. Um, and it's great to see. And when he comes back from the hamstring injury in We'll hope it's nothing more than two to three weeks. We'll need him back, especially with Dangerfield being out. So um, that's been one of the the big individual highlights, I think, for the Cats fans to look at for this season, along with um, some debutantes and seeing them. And who knows what Sam DeConing can bring in the future Um, with a few players out. He might even play or Max Holmes might even play in, in, in the upcoming game against Sydney at home. Saw so, so bits and pieces from Max Holmes, obviously, in the Hawthorne game. Uh, I was expecting him to be built more like a whippet, built more like Zach Guthrie, to be honest. But um, he he was a bit more solid than I than I anticipated. I mean, footballers are by no means you know huge guys, but they are athletic, and he definitely. He definitely has some athleticism to him, obviously, with his uh, family history as well. There's athletes in the family. There's plenty of uh, plenty of plenty of athletes or athletic history in the um, in the Geelong lineup at the at the moment. Obviously, with uh, everyone knows about Blitzarv, everyone now knows about Henry, and so we've now got. Holmes as well as another one. Um, and Francis Evans, I think he's, he's finishing first goal, was it, in his first game? It was, yep. Yeah, 
first first goal and uh, with the first kick as well. Yeah. So he joins the the ever growing list of of players to to kick uh, their first goal with their first kick, but um, very very smooth finisher. Even in the preseason, we saw he was a smooth finisher with um with a goal from the boundary line against Essendon. So he's got a he's got a good uh, goal goal sense. And Sam DeConing, yeah, like who knows what's to come what's to come of him? Top twenty draft pick, uh, still fairly raw, obviously, but there's a lot to like. He jumped a few times, took some big grabs. Um, one of his kicks uh, was the kick lace out to Hawkins. Um, so yeah, it's it's a raw project project player, but he's he's got a lot of upside, obviously. So it's going to be a long long journey for him, and hopefully, it's with the cat or remains with the cat. Before we start chatting about. Upcoming against Sydney, um, what the the near future may hold. Do you think that whilst a, an absolute blowout, a ninety-seven point win against West Coast, some injuries to West Coast, um, Josh Kennedy not playing in that game, McGovern also hurt there as well. A lot of outs that. West Coast do currently have on the the injury list. Does that sour over a bit of the margin, or oh, is that yeah. an excuse to say? Yeah. Oh, look. I mean, they would play better if they had their best twenty-two. Let's be honest. But um, but you can only play against who you're playing against. Obviously, as 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 simple as that statement is, um, and we don't need to necessarily worry about what West Coast are doing. West Coast needs to worry about what they're doing. And Adam Simpson came out after the game and referred to West Coast as weak. So that's not on us at all. Their performance is their responsibility. They were well below par, well below par in in terms of effort. And the coach was clearly disappointed in the fact that he said, you can question our effort. And that's disappointing to say, because frankly, West Coast usually give decent effort. They're usually a tough team to beat. That, that was a laughable performance. Yeah. And it was laughable. It was, it was laughable after quarter time. It's amazing how quickly they fell away, to be honest. Yeah. So, so we were we were brilliant. Yeah, we kept the pressure up and everything, but they fell away super quick. So we did all that we can do and beyond. But West Coast helped us to a large degree with how poor they were. The two injuries from this game, Mark O'Connor, Shark, uh, hamstring being reported as a two to three week injury. Um, and also Jake Collajasny reported could have broken his one legs to two weeks. Very fortunate. Very like... fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. That was not and not pleasant viewing to look back on it. 
very fortunate with Kai there that it's only been reported as one to two weeks. Um, who are we thinking could make way come in here? For me, Jordan Clark last few weeks listed as an emergency. Sydney away um, this week. Look, similar dimension, size ground too. Can you park? I think. Maybe Jordan Clark comes in, and then it's a question whether he plays in the back line and they rotate Colour's position a little bit and cover that between Blitz, Hendo, and Stewart, or whether and whether a, a winger slash half forward gets put into the mix, e.g. Max Holmes against Hawthorne to, to put mm-hmm. him back or whether they go for another out-and-out mid. Charlie Constable's been listed as an emergency there. The other thing was if they want to have just more pure backline security, Zach Guthrie is available and fit as well. I think it might be too early for um, a narco introduction at all. He, With the, the recent ankle problems there, it's going to be a bit of a test, not playing a stack of AFL. Um, and to be honest, I don't know what the likes of Sam DeConing would bring in the back line or other players you could put there, such as Josh Jenkins. Or... Thoughts there all? I think that, uh, you know, the quality and the, the unique attributes that he can bring are very positive for us. I mean, we don't necessarily have too many players like him in our squad. So who's that, sorry? Jordan Clark. So if we can bring Jordan Clark into the te- if we can bring Jordan Clark into the team, we should. If he's fit and available, we should. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's a bit of an unknown quantity for me. Nick Stevens, we haven't seen anything at AFL level. It's so hard to judge being an outsider to to say anything about Nick Stevens until we've actually seen what a Max Holmes. Uh, De Koning and Nick Stevens can produce, if France Sevens can produce AFL level, it's such an unknown quantity. So you, you just leave that in the, in the coach's hands. I think um, I think we've got enough talent there with maybe Tui not playing as higher up as well to stay back, man up, mm. um, to not introduce another um, traditional big and play mm. Jordan Clark and play another player that can play on the wing, maybe a Max Holmes, maybe a Ben Jarvis to be uh, a wing forward, if you like. I, I don't think that we have the, a huge need to to bring in Zach Guthrie, um, although I probably wouldn't be completely opposed to it seeing as it is a... Cole Jasny is a, a relatively key defender um, just for this game. If, if we're looking but, at... Um, well, we know that... See- Sorry, we know that Sydney's going to be without Buddy, yeah? Without Buddy, without Sam Reid, there's quite a few key position players here. At the top of my head, I think Robbie Fox as well, um, Dame Rampey, Nick Blakey, I think he might be touch and go. Tom McCartan's definitely going to be touch and go. So that's definitely two key forwards out for Tom Hickey out. Um, not a key forward, but doing some ruck work here and there and may spend some time forward. So... That's three players right there that could potentially be tools and afforded a game at any point in time that Geelong won't have to to face at all. Um, 
Nick Blakey um, and Tom McCartan, I think, will be the, the touch-and-go players there. But we'll see. Robbie Fox as well. George Hewitt out as well. So there's, there's a lengthy, empty heavily interest for, for Sydney there. A bit of a strange mm. team this season in terms of such hot, cold form that you don't know yeah. too much to read into them. Last week, beaten quite convincingly as well by Adelaide. So it, it, it is early in the season. Injuries are happening. But at the same time, I think this is a game that following that West Coast game, it would be a surprise with the form that we've just shown, the quality that we've produced with a, a similar team, um, albeit maybe Jordan Clark and uh, another player introduced to not get the the win here over Sydney. Yeah, yeah I'd be, I'd, of course, I'd be very disappointed if we lost. But um, but look, it's not going to be easy by any means, and and Sydney do have a lot of young talent that's uh, very threatening. But um, we're going to have to be, we're going to have to be on our game every game. We have to be on our game. Doesn't always happen. Um, but you know, you're playing professional sport you're playing professional uh aussie rules so anyone can anyone can win on any given any given day any given sunday as they say so we have to be on it from the beginning and hopefully we can win in this regard now i don't necessarily know of a margin or anything along those lines, I'd just be happy to get the win. Although it might be good for the heart and so forth to not have to put up with a possible one-point victory or within a goal, that would be nice. I'd be hoping to... I'd I'd be hoping for a a comfortable 4-5 goal win, but something more convincing, say... Than the North Melbourne game, so so similar margin to the North Melbourne game, but a more convincing game because you know that Sydney are also prone to playing that defensive style. I don't know necessarily if they've changed that um, in recent years, but we know that they were the first ones to kind of bring that really clamp down, crowd the ball type style in, right? Um, if they do that again, it's going to be low scoring. So we're going to have to be efficient and take out opportunities, which is always the case. I'll, I think it's hard pressed to, to pick a margin, but I do want to see obviously a win. But it is early in the season. I want to see us playing well. Is the main thing. We've had six weeks now where every single week. It's so hard to judge our playing style. It's so hard to judge our form. Individual players may play well some weeks, but as a collective, I think Geelong in the league as it stands at the moment, even though we're sitting fourth, just in the, in the top four, is quite an unknown quantity in terms of, um, of what will September bring and where they will mm. be in September. And rightly so, I think, just not, not because of results but because of how they've played over six games. There's only been one game out of six where they've actually seemed to to turn up and um, show the quality that they do have on display. So yeah. uh, 
look, if 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 Sydney come out and are pressuring us and playing with absolute extreme energy and momentum, want to win the territory uh, a battle, a fair play to the coaches, but I want to see a response to that and I want to see us up the energy. I want to see us produce our own quality and I don't want to always be known as a, a team that plays slow, stagnant ball. That's fine in certain circumstances. That's fine when you're switching the ball um, from one side to another in defence. But when it is in the midfield, there's got to be more quicker, decisive go. It doesn't mean playing inside 50, but the game style as a whole has to be quicker because we, I think from watching Melbourne play, they're through the middle corridor handballs, two, three handballs and they're out. Watching Western Bulldogs play as well, Richmond aren't even in the top four. We know what they'll bring as well. When it comes to the pointy end and we play these teams, we'll have to really step up our game. And nothing that we've shown in the first five games at all goes even close to that, which is why we're such an unknown quantity. So I want to see us playing, not, (laughs) I won't say what we did against West Coast, but in in a similar light. In a similar yeah. way. Um, so yeah. we build a cat's brand of footy. Yeah, we, at the moment, it's it's hard to grasp an ident- identity. And I think that's what was so clear, again, out of halftime in the West Coast game, why the applause applause was was so, so loud from fans was because there, there hasn't been a strong identity of brand, uh, a footy that, that the cats have been playing. So regardless of the margin, regardless of, of which the quarters, how they swing in favour of Cats or in favour of Sydney, I want us to be fighting and I want us to show intent, intensity, pressure throughout the game. Yes, yes. Then, Like I said, it has to be on from, from the beginning, hopefully, or at least we have to, yeah, we have to, be able to maintain some sense of quality or some sense of identity, as you said, to how we're playing, because we haven't been doing that in the in the, in that first month of football at really at any stage. And if anything, our identity has been the most boring club. Everyone knows we have the most boring game style, at least in the first month. So that's why. The West Coast game was such a shock because all of a sudden we we you know exploded and took the took the shackles off. But with all that said, hopefully we can get the win, and hopefully we play with a bit more intent. Hopefully it's an attractive game, even an attractive game from Sydney as well, because you know that if they bring energy, we're going to have to respond, as you said, and it's hopeful that we do respond. If the opponent brings energy, it's on you to do the same. So there's an element of the opposition bringing you down to their level if they're playing poorly, right? And I feel like that's what North Melbourne did in North Melbourne game a little bit. They're playing some very average football at the moment. So in in a way, they brought us down to their level um, and it made for a horrible spectacle. So. Sydney are playing or have been playing B 
better, more attractive football. So if they can bring their brand at home with their home support, hopefully we will respond in a positive manner for Cats fans. Onwards and upwards this Saturday in Sydney, at Sydney. Let's hope for the four points and build a, a solid brand of football. Let's keep the That's identity all growing. The moment. That's all we're wanting at the moment. Go Cowboys. Way to, good way to come back to, to uh, the Canadian Cloud Podcast after a 97 win. We, we yes. might do our next one once we nearly win by three figures. So if there's a long hiatus, <laughs> you'll know that we're waiting out for a blowout. Till yeah, then, that, that, go Cats. We'll, just, we'll only do episodes when there's blowout wins. <laughs> no, we'll be back next week. Go Cats. Go Cats. Ninety-four, wake up early, excited, dressing our colours united. Away up to the G, see the cats away to the station and on to the special. That jolly monster light and electrical vibe, march side by side, my dad. Bounce till a final gong. Time the cats come on belong. Kick it straight and mark it strong. Go cats, we are Geelong. Dawn till dark, dark till dawn. By the flag and Twenty twenty, wake up still excited, dressed in our colours despite we're alone. Cheering from home each week away. And turn up the good of being champions, work in the garden till grandstand is on. I'm proud to be my father. The final gong Come the cats Come on G-Long Kick it straight And mark it strong Go cats We are G-Long Dawn till dark